Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Buongiorno, buonasera, hello, and welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. You've probably noticed by now that I'm not, in fact, Connell Shaw. Uh, he is lost somewhere in France for the time being, but while he's away, I'm Connor Clancy, and I'll be stepping in to fill the void left by him. You might have noticed our absence last week as well, so before introducing the guys, I just want to make a quick apology for that. We didn't intend on skipping the recording, but Connell's internet, as I touched on, is a bit patchy while he's in France. So we couldn't really predict that he wouldn't be able to connect last week. So first of all, I'm joined by my deputy editor at Forza Italian Football, Mr. Luca Pietro Emilio Gumbi. Luca, how are you keeping? I'm uh, doing well, thank you. Slightly taken aback by the use of my middle names. I guess that's because uh, they show up on my Skype. But yeah, I'm good and happy to talk about some football. Good stuff, good stuff. Nick, next up. Um, a familiar voice returning to ease most of your concerns. No doubt much happier than the last time you heard him. How are you keeping, Nick? I'm sure you're pretty happy. I'm very well, thanks. Um, ecstatic, obviously, after the Derby d'Italia victory for Inter. Um, really finished off a good round of Serie A, so good to be back talking football. It's good to have you. And finally, our winners and losers rider, Liam Stewart. A more level-headed approach from you than Nick this week, I'm sure. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, getting back into the swings of like university and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so all good here. Good to hear it. Okay, so we're going to jump straight in. And with this recording falling awkwardly during a midweek round of fixtures, we're not going to be going through each league game one by one. But one that does need discussing is the recent Derby d'Italia, which saw Inter oddly doing a Juventus to what Juventus do to so many as they came from behind to win 2-1. Um, not many people will have seen this coming, and to get this out of the way, really, Nick, I'm going to go to you first. You must have been fearing the worst when Juventus went a goal ahead, 
especially with Inter playing quite well in the first half. Did you really think they could turn it around? Um, yeah, as you said, we had started the game quite well. So it was, um, you know, things were looking quite positive. And then when that goal did go in from Juventus, it was um, given that Inter had have played most of this season down a goal, um, it seems. So, it, you know, I, it was hard to kind of see us coming back from there against many teams, let alone Juventus. So um, the, the mindset of the team to actually, um, you know, push on straight away and try and get that goal back. And it wasn't long before they got the equaliser, obviously. Um, so the mentality of the team was very impressive on that point. And I'm sure um, Frank De Boer can take a lot, um, take a lot from that. So, uh, yeah, amazing to not only win the derby, but to, as you said, come down from a goal a goal down is yeah just incredible. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned Frank De Boer there. He, it's I think it's fair to say he's not had the best of starts since coming in. Do you think this can act as a catalyst in order to turn the rest of the season around so they can start to climb the table again? Certainly, in terms of in terms of confidence, I think I mean there's nothing really more that's going to do it than a than a win in front of the the San Siro in the Derby d'Italia. Um, Frank De Boer, obviously, you know, he, he, he has already got a lot of criticism. A lot of people, a lot of people, are saying he doesn't really know what he's doing in the Serie A. So, but I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not one to kind of jump to conclusions too quickly, as you know, 13 days before the Serie A season starting with the new team, trying to input your philosophies with the players that you have there that have pretty much been given to him. Um, you know, he hasn't really had a say in much of the squad, so. You know, it, it was always going to take time, and obviously, particularly after the midweek uh, Europa loss, the shocking loss to Hapoel Biasheva, um, you know, the, that cast a, a lot more doubt. So, but I mean, this this Juventus game was, I think, the first kind of glimpse of what Frank de Boer is trying to achieve with Inter. We know at Ajax he did play that very. Um, I guess, possession-based dominating game where he was pressing quite high. Um, So it looks like we pretty much set out uh, against Juventus and played that game and we put them under a bit of pressure and and I think Juventus weren't quite um, used to that. So we did put them off. We forced a lot of errors. So, yeah, the amount of confidence we can take, Inter can take from this is definitely massive. you know, I think we should stop short of saying anything. Like I have seen some comments saying, you know, the title race and all that kind of stuff. I think, you know, we should probably just take a couple breaths first. But no, definitely some really big positives. But in saying that, it needs to be backed up. So we need to go to Empoli and actually back it up with a win now. Yeah, I'm glad you're keeping a level head because I'm going to actually throw that question out to you guys in a minute. But firstly, just... Ever Benega was brilliant for Inter. He completely bossed the midfield. Do you guys think, Liam, I'll come to you for this. Do you think he's Inter's best signing from the summer? Uh, definitely, especially on a free transfer. That was a, a superb kind of piece, of piece of business from Inter, which is kind of weird because Inter's business is usually not very good in that they don't sign the players that they actually need or or they overspend massively on, on players that are pretty average. But, um, yeah, no, it was a great piece of business, and he was he was absolutely amazing, I thought. Um, 
I don't think you think he's going to be kind of key to transforming their season because last year they were so kind of dull in creating from midfield. It was, you know, they it, it was, I don't know, it looked so kind of functional and constantly had to go out wide to create and stuff like that. So I think he's going to be really key for them this season. He's definitely made them more appealing to watch. There were times last year where, with the best of intentions, he'd tune in to watch Inter and it was a struggle to make it through 90 minutes at times. They've brought in a few players and with, as Nick touched on, Mancini leaving just less than two weeks before the beginning of the season. And then when De Boer came in, he spoke about needing four months to really see his effect on the side. I kind of worried for Inter thinking that this could be another wasted season. Um, and after, basically since 2010, they've not really threatened or done anything. But, do you think that with this win, they're in a much better place? Or is this just kind of a flash in the pan and things will revert to type in a couple of weeks? Luca, I'll go to you for this one. Um, I'm not too sure. Obviously, it's a positive result and it should boost the confidence. But I think it is the kind of fixture that has to be looked at just on its own in a kind of vacuum. It's obviously a much different occasion to be playing against Juventus in the Derby d'Italia, even if it's sort of been a misnomer in recent years. It's supposed to be a clash of the giants. It hasn't, but it still is able to get the fans to fill up the uh, Mayatta. I think one of the problems perhaps for Inter, if they're trying to play this sort of progressive pressing possession football is perhaps going to be against smaller teams that just don't try against them really just sit back and absorb all that pressure whereas Juventus perhaps go into the game with a bit more arrogance and sort of proactive uh, approach so I think obviously it's a step forward and they weren't going to keep struggling is the way they did against sort of Chievo and Hapoel uh, but I think it could perhaps be uh, a little bit difficult for them to really kick on but they should do better but I'm not sure if Frank de Boer is going to be able to really get it going just off the back of this one result. So, despite their dominance at times, it did still take a goal from Mauro Icardi to finally break Juventus down for Inter. He's been quite clinical for them this season and last. He's scored by far the majority of their goals. Should Frank de Boer be quite concerned that they are at times a little over-reliant on the striker? I mean, possibly, but I I guess you have to worry if he gets injured because they don't really have a solid backup for him. Um, I think Rodrigo Palacio is pretty much done, really, as a forward. Um, but, I, yeah, it's, I guess it's about creating... If Frank de Boer can kind of create a team that functions well, then I think they'll always score goals. Um but because I think they've got players from midfield, especially Brozovic, because we saw last season, he's got that ability to score uh, from midfield. So if, if they can create a team that creates chances for everybody, then uh, I don't think it'll be too much of a problem. But uh, if they're if they are still kind of relying on him as their main goal scorer, then yeah, it could become an issue at some point. Yeah, I, I think Liam's pretty much got it spot on with the creating the team there because and I think that's the first time against Juventus where we kind of saw Frank de Boer's team actually kind of working together obviously Icardi 
got the goal and actually provided the assist too. And it was a wonderful assist, mind you. But, um, you know, for him to actually get involved, um, as you mentioned, Eva Benega behind was amazing and he controlled a lot of that game. So he made a lot of what was happening up front um, possible. And then again, for Benega to actually work his magic, Jean Mario played a, a solid role behind him even um, to give him that space to do that. So I, felt, I saw the actual team working for the first time against Juventus, which was uh, quite heartening, heartening in the fact that, as you mentioned, Connor, um, there is that concern that, um, that we are quite reliant on Akari to finish. But in saying that, when the team was working against Juventus, Icardi got 40 touches um, during that game. When you compare that to 25 against Pescara, 21 against Palermo, and 23 against Chievo, um, and you see, you saw in those those uh, first games how isolated Icardi was, particularly when those uh, defenses were dropping deep, as uh, Luca mentioned, when those smaller teams are playing quite deep and then to come to them, it was quite hard to get Icardi involved. So that's, as Lucas said, that's going to be a, a big challenge to to take that same kind of game and really make it effective against those team. team. But definitely when, when the whole team's working, I think Icardi and, in a sense, the forward that Inter uses, if, even if it isn't Icardi, if maybe it does step in for some games, I think everything's going to work a lot more when you've got the likes of Benega, Jean Mario, all working together. So, um, you know... But hopefully, you know, there's no injuries or anything like that to Akadi because obviously you can't underestimate how um, how vital he is to the team. Yeah. So if they've got they've got Gabriel Barbosa, so if they can integrate him into a kind of a wide position, um, then I think him and Akadi could form kind of quite an effective uh, partnership. So even if Akadi maybe has a dip in form, um, they've still got that goal threat from a wing or, uh, you know, someone that I can finish. Um, so, yeah. I think yeah. it is. Important. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. They've got all these attacking midfielders with Gabby Gold coming in, something new, a bit unknown to the league. And if uh, Hikardi just keeps scoring anyway, it's not necessarily a problem. You don't have to worry and start thinking, oh, what if he gets injured? You can just sort of enjoy the moment. And I suppose, like, I don't want to say it's, this sort of total football idea just because the ball's Dutch or and from Ajax, but there is supposed to be sort of interchange and they've got these attacking midfielders who should be able to find their net if Nicardi can't. Whoever it is that is faced with the task of succeeding Nicardi or standing in for him when he's injured definitely has a, a difficult challenge ahead of them. I don't know if any of you guys saw, but on Twitter I threw up a thing where I looked at the top five goal scorers in Europe's top four leagues. And of all those goal scorers, only one had a better conversion rate last season than Icardi. And that was Luis Suarez, who scored 40 goals. So that's not a bad rate for Icardi. It's, he's definitely at a very high level of clinicality, if I can say that. Moving on from Inter now, I'd like to look at Juventus obviously this is something that doesn't usually happy, happen to them it's rare enough that they lose never mind after going ahead so Luca I'm going to come back to you straight away where from their point of view did it go wrong um well I think that Allegri just sort of 
I think he said something about they sort of took the lead too easily because and then they just conceded straight after him. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't think they played terribly. It's a it's a difficult game as it should be. And the second goal was just someone losing the ball in defence. It's an individual mistake. It's going to happen. I don't think there's um, really a great cause for panic from their part. I think they're still in a very strong position. Obviously, they've got um, quite a lot of strength in depth, which poses a few challenges. Higuain didn't start, which was a bit surprising for some. And then they've got all this depth at fullback, so they can interchange there. But then it was the fullbacks who linked up to score the opener. Um, yeah, I think it's just it's naturally going to be a tough game for them to go to the San Siro, play into in a full stadium. So yeah, they lost by one goal. They took the lead. Perhaps mentality wasn't quite what it should have been. I think Allegri was insinuating that they might have been a bit complacent, but he also said that they can learn from that, and I think they probably will. Um, I kind of disagree with uh, Luca there. I, I thought kind of pretty underwhelming throughout the whole match. And I've, I thought there was kind of some slightly odd selection, selection decisions from Allegri. Um, I don't really understand Mandzukic being in there, especially when you've got Higuain on, Higuain on the bench. I thought, you know, if you pay, pay that much for someone, I think they kind of have to be starting in games like this, really. Um, and also, I don't... As a mower, I thought he was... He, he really just didn't offer anything possession at all um for me personally but um yeah i overall i, I don't think it's, it's a huge you know this loss is or the draw to severe is a kind of you know huge worry for juventus last season they started the season in an awful awful fashion and then you know we we know what happened so um the um so i think i think it's fine really allegri is probably just getting used to his kind of new players and you know how he how they fit into his team right now you say Allegri is getting used to his new players. One of our questions this week is unsurprisingly about this game. Mark Neal got in touch and he wants to know, do you think Allegri has lost has lost his touch at Juventus or is it too soon to say that? Allegri, yeah. Hashtag. Is this going to be AC Milan 2.0? No, I don't know. No. It's it, or at least it's way too early to say that. Um, um, also, I think that just the, I think the depth of that squad is just it's going to be enough to win Serie A. Whether they can win, I mean, the thing is that's not really aimed for Juventus anymore because they've shown that they can do that. You know, they've done that five seasons in a row now. It's it's ridiculous. So that it's the test is whether he can win the Champions League, and that's a very different question. But. Um, uh, and I, I do think they've got the squad to do it because the Champions League is that kind of competition where you don't need to have the best squad to get to all the way to the final. But um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, it's way too soon to say he's lost his touch. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm never entirely convinced of the value of having a great squad, and I think people can sort of uh overvalue sort of players on the bench because obviously if they're not playing they're not going to affect the game and sort of when smaller teams have won the league sort of like Leicester or Verona they've done it with small squads but I think like even if he struggles to kind of keep everyone happy like bringing Mandzukic on against Inter they're just still so far ahead that they're going to be fine and they got off to a worse start last year and then even people moaning after they drew against Sevilla it's just um 
I just think it's really excessive. Like Sevilla have won so many Europa League titles. They're good teams. They're not struggling against poor teams, and they'll be fine in the end. Yeah, it, it just it seems ridiculous that you know we're even talking about kind of Allegri losing his touch because. Um, you know, while as an Inter fan, I'm, I'm so happy that we won, but put it into perspective, yes, Juventus weren't the best, their midfield, um, you know, they didn't dominate or anything, they weren't that great, but they'll put out, they can put out that same team every week and they're going to win the vast majority of Serie A games and most probably win the Scudetto, as Liam mentions, but that's they're not their overriding goal for the season. And when you look at the likes of Marquise, that obviously is going to come back into that midfield. That's you know a massive bonus for them, and he'll be a big part of any kind of Champions League challenge. So, you know, in perspective, this is um, it's 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 a derby loss, and that's about it for me. I can't really, I, I don't see it making a difference to the title race in my in my mind. Nick, you're you're very uncharacteristically composed at discussing an Inter game. It's it's nice to see how you become more mellow when you're happy. Remember, we want to hear what you think. So get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook or leave a comment on Fodsa Italian for When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We're going to move on from the Derby d'Italia now and we discussed Inter's reliance on Icardi another one of the top clubs who might be a bit over-reliant on an informed striker is Napoli Arkadius Milik has come in and he's really made the Neapolitan people forget all about Higuain and has wasted no time in settling in Liam, what have you made of him so far? I think I think he's been excellent. He looks. I was quite impressed with him in the Euros. I thought, um, even though his his finishing was sometimes a bit wayward, he made some great runs and he, he showed that at the weekend. Actually, um, his first goal um, uh, against Bologna was um, was uh, it, the run that he made was just superb. I thought, um, and then the second goal, you know, he just showed that he's got kind of such a range in his game already. Um, uh, with that lot, uh, uh, 
with that long range shot. Um, so yeah, I've been really impressed with him. Um, whether he can keep this up, uh, you know, it's a different, uh, again, that time will tell, but, um, no, I think he's, uh, I think he's definitely a good signing considering how much they got for Higuain and they've still probably got a surplus left over from that to spend in January. Yeah, he single-handedly sort of turned that game around against Bologna because it was a bit of a strange one because Napoli were probably better in the first half. Gabbiadini was up front, but um, they just didn't really make most of their chances. But then in the second half afterwards, uh, Jamali from Bologna said that, uh, that Milik just came on when Bologna were on top and just had those few chances and just took them. And I was a bit sceptical about him after seeing him play for Poland in the Euros. But so far, he's just really hit the ground running. And I think that first goal was very impressive, just the instinct to run behind the defence and just poke over the keeper. And then second goal was a bit more fortunate. Goalkeeper probably should have saved it, but then sort of just had the confidence, hit it on target. It's good enough for a striker and enough should go in over a season if they're not even the cleanest of hits and yeah I think Napoli can be very happy with him well, I'm, I'm interested to know what you guys think um, how this kind of works in relation to Gabbiadini because coming into the season obviously with Higuain leaving I really thought you know obviously playing second fiddle for a number of seasons I thought this was his real chance to shine um, and show his true value and obviously so far he's been completely outclassed by Milik so you know do you think he can still kind of push himself to be their first choice up front yeah a lot of the reaction after that game on the Italian TV was about Gabbiadini and how annoyed he looked when he came off at half um, or was it just after the break because he uh, refused to have a little high five with Insigne and then afterwards he went on to Twitter to apologise saying he was just sort of annoyed at his performance. He wasn't that he didn't care for the team but I think again it looks like he is just relegated to that second fiddle role and the, the guy in front of him is just doing so well that there's no real way in for him and he just has to try and make the most of his chances but they're not, it's not really happening for him at the moment and it doesn't look like there's... um much of a way out. Okay, so we're going to move on. As I said, we're going to touch on things a bit briefly. Um, to round out last season's top three, really, Roma have been a bit hit and miss so far this year. They've had some ups and downs. The Champions League embarrassment was obviously a bit of a low. What do you guys make of them so far? Liam? Um, I think they've they've got quite a lot of issues right now. Um, I think going forward, they can play some very good stuff. I think, you know, their forward line is uh, quite potent and they've got options there because they do have that, you know, they can play Jacko and play kind of a more direct game into him or they can play, uh, you know, that front four of uh, uh, with El Shirari at the uh, kind of at the top and then kind of using him as a past nine. But their defensive uh, structure is awful and their signings have been awful. I mean, Fazio, Vermeilen and Juan Jesus, they are the most just... Uh, the term I like to use is half-baked because they, they are so kind of incomplete defenders that literally, you know, they've got the physique, but they've got no brain at all whatsoever. <laughs> and it, it's, it, it's, no, it's, it's maddening. They, they are kind of, they are, it really frustrates me because whenever I see them, I think, yes, you've got this great, great talented, you know, team that can go forward, but then it's just ruined by these, these, Average, average players that you know just 
make everything miserable. And also they make Banalas look bad. And he's not. He's not. He's a very good player. He's a great defender. But he's weighed down by these idiots, essentially. It's, it's, just, it's so frustrating. I've never seen you so aggressive, Liam. It, they annoy me so much. It's really... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's Luca, my over now. <laughs> Luca, do you want to jump in? Do you think I know Zukanovic left recently? He's now at Atalanta. Do you think they could have done with keeping hold of someone like him? See, Juventus have brought in Bonatia kind of to warm the bench or compete with Barzali just to add insult to injury, really. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess you could say so. I think Zukanovic was quite a uh a versatile player he could sort of play a bit wider and he was quite good with the ball at his feet whereas I think Liam does make a fair point there with the uh, centre-backs they've brought in like Fazio uh, is a bit of a lumbering oaf at times and he's not very quick at all and I'm not sure Spelletti really wanted him but then he sort of made out like he did in his press conference Um, it does sort of seem like they're not entirely sure what they are trying to do but I don't know perhaps Spalletti's happy enough with what he's got and he thinks he can get the most out of them but obviously they're abject in the Champions League lost their heads in that and then when they played Sampdoria they were lucky that the rain basically saved them so I, I wouldn't be particularly optimistic if I supported them but I think they're still sort of a class ahead of a lot of the other teams but I don't think they've necessarily got the quality to make the step forward that Perhaps they should. Remember, we want to hear what you think. So get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook or leave a comment on fodsaitalianfootball.com. So we're going to just move on to a couple of different things now. As I said earlier, it's going to be a bit of a different podcast. Um, earlier, A little earlier this week, Carlo Tavecchio expressed an interest in making Serie A an 18-team league again with the idea being to improve the overall quality and competitiveness of the league. How do you feel about this? Is it a good idea or is it a step backwards? I'd say that I'm in favour of it. Just, I think my main piece of evidence would be the fact that Palermo last year weren't relegated and they were a complete shambles. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably agree with Luca. To be honest, that, um, even though you kind of you do like the kind of the Crotones and the the Carpies and stuff like that, they really kind of um, they don't really add anything uh, to the league. Um, and I guess if, you know, Syria is looking to get, you know, improve itself as a league and get back into kind of, you know, get back its status as being, I don't know, one of the top two leagues in the in Europe, then I think an 18-team league probably be the best way forward, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's a hard one. I mean, I've, I've had a bit of a thing. I just, it just, it's hard to kind of sum it up quickly because it's, I feel like there's, there's so many um, things that can happen from that. So there's, there's a lot you need to know about the financials. I think, you know, I'm, I, you know, from my position, I don't know how that affects things like the broadcast deals and all that. So, um, I'm, I'm kind of not either way at the moment. I'd have to find out a bit more. Um, one thing I could, I would say that, um, I don't know if you guys agree, but um, certainly, you know, it might not make that much of a difference at the end of the day. Like, um, but it's it's going to be less games for some of the teams um, playing in Europe, so that could possibly help with their campaigns. Um, you know, but outside of that, I'm I'm kind of not really either way. Well, on that. the thing with Europe is uh, because of um, UEFA's new that thing that went through recently. I uh, can't 
don't know what it's called, but basically uh, the top clubs kind of went to UEFA and basically kind of uh, held them over a barrel. So now that Serie A has four uh, Champions League spots, I can't. I don't know when it comes in, but eventually they'll get that. So I think you know Europe. Europe isn't going to be such a major problem, but yeah, I guess in terms of games, yeah, it could be beneficial. Do you think the the lesser clubs do have a role to play though with when it comes to embedding young players and giving them a chance to play at the top level. Do you think if they are, with the restructuring of the league, there will be less opportunities for young players at the top? I, I don't know, really, because obviously Sassuolo would be the sort of shining beacon of that being a sort of tiny club that does have all these young Italian players and then does very well. But then I think last year just you had sort of Carpi and Frosinone and they were just sort of pretty much anonymous. They didn't really bring anything to the league. I don't think they really brought that many players through. I think, was it, did Frosinone have Leali in goal, the young goalkeeper? But other than that, off the top of my head, I can't really think of any players. And I think Serie B actually does quite a good job at the moment of giving young players a chance. And I don't think it's just necessarily the case that only these sort of small clubs that are battling against relegation should be expected to be the only ones who are giving these youngsters a chance I think there's no real reason why teams a bit higher up can't try that as well it's not just uh, exclusively for these tiny little clubs Do you think there's a potential to actually that it might increase the gap between the Serie A and Serie B in terms of there's going to be possibly less of a changeover in terms of clubs going up and down it might just be those same few that are just kind of going between the league I don't know it's quite hard to say because a lot of the sort of bigger teams in Serie B don't do very well at the moment is a lot of these smaller clubs for some reason even at the moment Cittadella are top of Serie B so it's a bit I don't know it's a bit hard to sort of put your finger on why that's happening but I suppose yeah I suppose there is some sort of possibility that Serie A will become this more exclusive club but it was like that for most of its history and teams still bounced around the leagues and then you'll probably have some sort of teams going bankrupt and that'll sort of change all the hierarchy again and like the one major problem would be how they implement it because there'll probably be some sort of controversy about who goes down and who stays up but mm. it's I don't know I think the power balance is a bit strange at the moment where you do have a lot of these small clubs punching way above their weight and then bigger teams in Serie B you know Bari or someone just not really getting going so I guess that is a, a point to consider but I think I would still be in favour of reducing the number of teams. A youngster who has broken through in Serie A at one of the lesser clubs this season and has really impressed I'm sure you'll agree is Frank Kessie at Atalanta at 19 he's already been capped by the Ivory Coast he's scored four goals from defensive midfield this season and he seems to have a huge future ahead of him with this in mind who do you guys think is the best or even a notable young player in Serie A? And I don't want to hear names like Domenico Berardi or Paolo Dybala being thrown out here. Uh, uh, yeah, I would uh, be uh, very positive about the potential of Adam Nagy at Bologna. He's, uh, I think he's 21, sort of holding central midfielder, kind of deep-lying player. Uh, and they signed him from Ferenc Varos after he was sort of one of the 
outstanding players at the Euros. Uh, he used to play futsal, uh, so he's quite ambidextrous. And uh, I think he also went to this football academy in Spain, which was run by Ian Wright and someone else. And he just looks very intelligent. He plays with his head. He intercepts the ball a lot. He presses a lot. Uh, he, at the moment, he just sort of passes the ball quite simply. But that's sort of that's also led to him having, I think, the fourth best passing uh, accuracy rate in the league, at 92.4%. And I think if he can sort of just add a little bit more of a kind of killable forwards, he could be a a very good player. But Bologna got him for relatively cheap, and I think he's definitely one to look out for. Um, I really like Politano at uh, Sassuolo. Um, I love how direct he is. Um, I think he's really coming into his own this season as well. Um, uh, yeah, and, you know, he's got he's at the right place to develop as well. Sassuolo, they do put that emphasis on Italian talent and young players. So I think he's um, he's got a great feature ahead of him, yeah. For me, I'll go with um, Olivia Nchem. I have no idea if that pronunciation is correct. It's it, probably not. It was much better than I expected, to be honest. <laughs> um, obviously, on loan from Manchester City um, at Genoa, and, well, he's been, I guess, a lot of people are saying he's a possible long-term, um, long-term replacement for Yaya Toure at City. So um, he's been given the number 10, I believe, at Genoa. And I think he's already scored a... I think it was the first round when he scored that fantastic goal. Um, so I, I think he's shown a lot of potential and um, he, he could really turn into something. Um, you know, whether or not he stays in City our long term might be another thing. I think um, I think he's on a two-year loan, correct me if I'm wrong, Um possibly with an option. So it'd be good to see him actually stay and develop a bit in the Serie A. But, um, yeah, I think he's definitely got the potential to be something big. Yeah, and uh, another one at Bologna is uh, Eusebio Di Francesco's son, uh, Federico. I think he scored two for the under-21s, the uh, Italian side, just making his debut for them last week. And then he scored as well for Bologna against Cagliari. He's sort of direct, quite pacey, quite ambitious-looking winger and, uh, or forward. And, yeah, he sort, he sort of seems like he's got a bit of natural talent and uh, athletic ability about him. I think Sampdoria have also done quite well to bring in some young players who perhaps people didn't really know so much about. Uh, Lucas Torreira's done very well. He's been quite energetic, dynamic. He's been doing things. Then uh, Carol Linetti as well, who they signed from, uh, I think it was Lech Poznan. He's looked like a very sort of confident player in the middle there, and he's stepping up like very well for uh, someone who's not spent much time in the league. Moving away from the youngsters, then we're going to go to someone at the complete opposite end of his career. Mark Barriello still looks like he's got plenty to offer in Italy's top flight. He scored twice in Cagliari's recent 3 0 demolition, really, of Atalanta. It was always going to happen. What do um, you think of Barriello, Nick? Do you think he's a bold shout for the next oldest Capo Canieri after Big Luca Tony? Well, four goals, four matches. I don't know. Higuain must be shaking that record. You he's going to get 38 and 38, isn't he? We all know. Well, you know, he's on track. You never know. So we're saying Barriello for top goal scorer <laughs> and Cagliari to be Italy's answer to Leicester, right? Yeah, I did say at the start of the season I thought Cagliari could surprise a lot of people. So 
Borrello is very much helping my argument there. So um, hopefully he keeps going. Anyone else with any thoughts on Big Marco? His tattoo's awful. He's basically just coloured half of himself in. I'm not a fan of that. It's a shame, isn't it? Because he's, he's quite a handsome man. And then I remember, Luca, you were with me in Bergamo when he scored twice against Roma last season. And he took off his top and it, he has his magnificent torso was just completely ruined by the tattoo. Sorry, guys. I didn't know you wanted my opinion on his physical... Um, <laughs> Nick, where do you think you are? Of course, of course, we want that. I, I think I misread the question there. Okay, on a scale of one to ten, how handsome is Marco Borriello? Oh, he's a good-looking guy. I'm not going to lie. At the 34, is particularly, you know, that's six years away from me. If uh, you know, if I'm looking like that six years time, I'm I'm happy. So, good on him. And uh, on that note, I think we'll call it a week. Next week's hosting situation is still to be resolved, but for now it looks like I'll be taking responsibility again while Connell continues his search for a stable internet provider in rural France. Until then, be sure to keep an eye on Forza Italian Football for your Calcio fix. We've had some great features go up recently. The always excellent Marco Jackson wrote a piece on Ruud Hullet's redemption when he returned to Milan with Sampdoria, and that article has proven to be very popular. Julian Cardillo debuted for us by looking at Juventus' summer signings and how they've settled in nicely in Turin, as, let's be honest, they tend to. And we will, in the coming days, have something up on Barriello and actually another piece on Cagliari and their title-winning team of 1970. So, signing off this week for Luca, Nick and Liam. It's ciao for now, and we'll talk to you soon. Parte la sua palla dentro, primo palo, una mischia, può andare il capitano, carica il destro, il tiro, a gol, 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 il capitano! Lo sai per un gol, io darei la vita, la mia vita, che in fondo lo so, sarà una partita infinita. Es un sueño que hoy, es un coro que sale a soñar, se ayuda a la noche, no mata minutos para soñar, en Osurri, no estaremos aquí en Osurri, pazzi como Tenero Osurri, no fate ci soffrire, ma va bene, vincere. Continuero el sol en el vento, la mia festa, per sempre vivrò, per sempre vivrò, con questi colori nella testa, nero azzurri, yo vi seguirò nero azzurri, 
da questa canzone Forza non mollare mai, amala Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.